1: Tonic and Cremel Shampoo present the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Here we are once again in Dr. Watson's study. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bell. What incident are you going to tell us about this evening, Dr. Watson?
2: Well, uh, I I haven't quite decided. Suppose that we... What was that? Oh, this <laughs> is the fire. Top logs has fallen off. Where did I put that poker? Oh, here it is. There we go. Ah, that's better.
1: Oh, what a curious old poker, Dr. Watson. It looks as though it had been seen many years of service.
2: Yes, yeah, so it has, my dear fellow, so it has. It belonged to Sherlock Holmes himself in the days when we were sharing rooms in Baker Street. You know that... I think I could do no better than to tell you the particular incident that that recalls recalled to my mind. Well, please do. I can't recall any case which presented more singular features than that which we always referred to as the adventure of the speckled band.
1: Speckled band? What does that mean, Dr. Watson?
2: We'll get to that in a minute, Mr. Bell. But uh, first...
1: Men, hot summer days are with us again. And after a day spent under a hot, broiling sun, does your hair look as stiff as straw, dry, matted, or tangled? Does the humidity make it stringy and look rumpled and unattractive? Then don't make the mistake of plastering your hair down with greasy, sticky goo. Instead, put Kremel hair tonic on the job. Kremel is that famous modern hair tonic. Such a wonderful, natural-looking hairdressing. Cremel has just enough light oils to keep dry, stringy hair neatly groomed throughout the hottest, stickiest day. Yet Cremel never leaves the hair looking or feeling greasy. It never leaves any unpleasant odor. Cremel always feels clean on both hair and scalp. You see, Cremel is able to give you all these advantages because it contains a special combination of hair-grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair tonic. So men, make Cremel a daily must this summer for that handsome, clean-cut look from morning till night. K-R-E-M-L. Cremel hair tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, how about the adventure of the speckled band?
2: It was early well, April morning. Very early, I might say. Holmes, as you doctors know, was a notoriously late riser. So you can imagine my surprise to find him standing fully dressed on the side of my bed. Watson... I say, Watson, wake up. Uh, uh, Watson,
3: uh, old fellow, if you don't manage to wake uh, up immediately, I shall be obliged to enter the contents of this water pitcher over you.
2: Uh, what, what's up? Is, is there a fire?
3: No, a client. Oh, a client? Quite so. A client. It's uh, a girl. A rather charming-looking girl. She is waiting in the sitting room now. Oh, Here, I'll uh, open the door crack so you can take a look at
2: her. Mm, lady dressed in black and uh, so heavily veiled that you can't tell a thing about her where's my other slipper
3: on the contrary my dear watson we can gather a great deal about her here's your slip on the table where you left it last night as a paperweight uh, your tie your good tie is on the third shelf behind boswell's life of johnson i presume that's the one you want in as much as it's the one you always wear when you wish to make an impression on one of the opposite sex be silly, old man. Uh, but to return to the young lady she left home very early this morning came by train And yet she had a good drive in a dog cart along heavy roads before she reached the station.
2: Holmes, you're trying to be uncanny again.
3: Not at all, my dear Watson. It's as plain as the nose on your face. The left arm of her jacket is patted with mud. There's no vehicle save a dog cart which throws up mud in that disgusting way. As for the train journey... I observed the second half of the return ticket in the palm of the left glove.
2: Sure I never even saw it. Oh, yes, you did, Watson.
3: You merely did not notice it.
2: Well, that's all very interesting, but I think we've kept the young lady waiting long enough. Shall
3: we go into her? Uh, by all means. You go first. You're certain to create the more favorable impression. Oh, so much. <clears throat> Good morning.
4: Oh, is, is this Mr. Sherlock Holmes?
3: I'm that gentleman. This is my intimate friend and associate, Dr. Watt. How do you do? You may speak freely before him.
4: Oh, I see.
3: Won't you sit down by the fire? I observe that you're shivering.
4: No, thank you. It's not the cold that makes me shiver.
3: Oh? What then?
4: This fear, Mr. Holmes. Um, this terror. I can stand this strain no longer. I had to come to you.
3: I shall be happy, madam, to devote myself to your case if you'll just lay before us um, everything that may help us in forming an opinion on the matter.
4: My, my name is Helen Stoner. I'm living with my stepfather, who was the last survivor of the royalists of Stoke Moran, an old Saxon family. Oh, I
2: say, Holmes, I heard of him. He's a doctor, isn't he? Went out to Calcutta. Yes,
4: that is my stepfather. Oh. Well, in India, he married my mother, the young widow of Major General Stoner. My sister Julia and I were twins... We were only two at the time of the marriage.
3: Uh, you were uh, brought up in India, then?
4: No. Dr. Worlett was forced to return to this country due to a scandal.
2: Scandal? Well, 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 don't well, interrupt. What well, well, was the
4: scandal? Shortly after that, my uh, my mother died, leaving about 2,000 pounds a year to Dr. Worlett, as long as we, my sister and I, resided with him. However, in the event of our marriage, we were to receive 550 a year apiece.
3: And uh, did either of you marry? No.
4: No. As a matter of fact, after Mother's death, a terrible change came over Dr. Roylett. He quarreled violently with everyone in the neighborhood, so that we were left almost entirely to ourselves. His only friends are a band of wandering gypsies whom he permits to encamp on the property from time to time. He also has a passion for Indian animals. That's
2: extraordinary.
4: At this moment, he owns a cheetah and a baboon.
2: Hmm.
3: Not very cheerful surroundings for two young
4: women. Oh, one gets used to things. The only person we were allowed to visit was a sister of mother's. While Julia was there, she met the man to whom she became engaged.
2: I see. And, of course, your stepfather objected violently.
4: No. No, surprisingly enough, he did not. He offered no objections whatever to the marriage.
2: But I thought that you said that neither of you had uh, had ever married.
4: So I did, Dr. Watson. Julia did not marry because within a fortnight of the day which had been fixed for the wedding, she... she died. She died. Died? Yes, Mr. Holmes. Under the most horrible circumstances.
3: Can you describe this unfortunate event in detail?
4: Oh, yes, Mr. Holmes. Every second of that dread time is seared in my memory. The bedrooms at Stoke Moran are on the ground floor. They open off a common passage. Of these bedrooms, the first is Dr. Roylott's, the second my sister's, and the third my own. I see. There's no communication between them. Do so I make myself clear?
3: Perfectly so. Uh,
4: the windows of the three rooms open out on the lawn. The fatal night we had all gone to our rooms early, having carefully locked our bedroom doors on account of a cheetah and a baboon, which were allowed to wander about at will. Suddenly, as I was about to blow out my light, I heard Julia knocking at my door. <laughs>
5: Oh, just a minute. I'll
4: unlock the door. Why, oh, Julia, you look as pale as a sheet. What's the matter? Oh, nothing. At least, nothing I can put my finger on. Maybe it's the wind and the rain. Oh, lock the door, Helen. I, I'm afraid. Afraid? Whatever of? Oh, well, I... I really don't know. I, I feel what the Irish call say. As though death were lurking around the corner. Something seems to keep trying to warn me. Oh, nonsense, Julia. You're upset. Perhaps the excitement will be a wedding. Why aren't you asleep? Well, I... I can't. Father keeps pacing up and down next door. But it's not that. It, it's... It's what? Tell me, Helen. Have you ever heard anyone whistle in the dead of night? Never. I... I don't suppose it could be you in your sleep. Oh, Julia, don't be absurd. Well... The last few nights I've heard it. A low, clear whistle, about three in the morning. And for some reason, it it seems to be warning me. Well, it might be those wretched gypsies in the plantation. Mm, Probably. And yet, if it were on the lawn, I wonder that you didn't hear it, too. Oh, you know how soundly I sleep. Oh, well, I'm probably being very foolish. I'll go back to bed and let you get some sleep. Helen? Yes, what is it? Would you... Would you mind standing here until you hear me lock my door? Of course not, silly. Well, good night. Good night, you goose. There. Gracious, she's getting jumpy. She'll be glad when she's safely married. Oh, listen to that wind. What was that? Hmm. Nothing. I'm getting as nervous as Julia I hope nothing
5: <laughs>
4: Julia, Julia, what's the matter? There was a whistle, I heard it Julia, Julia, open the door Julia,
5: Julia, what's uh, happened?
4: Don't uh, no stagger like that, darling, I'm coming to Louise,
5: uh, it's the band The speckled band Julia, <laughs> Julia, what do you mean? Oh, Miss, <laughs> she's having convulsions. Oh, Father! Uh, Father, help! Help!
3: And what was found in your sister's room?
4: That's a strange part. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The windows were barred by old-fashioned shutters with broad iron bars, and the door was locked on the inside. My sister was alone when she met her doom. Hmm.
3: Uh, any marks of violence? None. What about poison?
4: The doctors examined her for it, but without success. It's my belief that my sister died of fright. Pure
3: fright. Uh, when did all this happen?
4: About two years ago.
3: And why do you come to me at this late date?
4: Well, I myself am expected to be married shortly to a man I've known for many years. Uh, two days ago, some repairs were started in the west wing of the building so that I've been forced to move into the room where my sister died sleep in the very bed in which she slept. Imagine, then, my thrill of terror, when last night as I lay awake thinking over her terrible fate, I suddenly heard the low whistle which heralded her death. Good gracious, man! Oh, quiet, Watson. I jumped up, the light, but could find nothing. I came straight to you as soon as it was daylight.
3: Mm, if we were to come down to Stoke Moran today, would it be possible to look over these rooms without the knowledge of your stepfather?
4: He spoke of coming into town today on some important business. It's probable that he will be away all day.
3: Excellent. You may expect us, then, sometime this afternoon, if that is
4: convenient.
2: Oh, yes.
4: Oh, thank you so very much. I shall look forward to seeing you again this afternoon. Goodbye, Judge. Uh,
2: goodbye, goodbye. Well, my dear Holmes, what do you think of it all? What do you make of the sister's dying words, the speckled bear?
3: Mm. It may merely have been the effect of delirium. Or it may have referred to the band of gypsies who sometimes wear spotted kerchiefs. Then again, it may be something much more deadly. (coughs) Dear, 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 someone seems to be very anxious to see us. Come in. Which of you is Holmes? That is my name, sir. I am Dr. Grimesby Roylott of Stoke Moran. Indeed. Pray take a seat. I will do nothing of the kind. My stepdaughter has been here. I traced her. What did she say to you? It's, um... A little cold for this time of year. Yeah. You put me off, do you? I've heard of you before. You're Holmes, the meddler. <laughs> Holmes, the busybody. Holmes, the Scotland Yard jack-in-office. My dear doctor, all this does not alter the fact that it is still decidedly chilly. I seem to feel a draft. Uh, would you mind uh, closing the door from the outside? I will go and I've had my say. Don't meddle with my affairs. You'll find I'm a dangerous man to fall foul of. Look here. Look out, Holmes. You've got the poker. Watch this. <laughs> I say, Holmes, he's bent our poker almost double. My dear fellow, give me that poker. I really can't allow you, sir, to go around breaking up our little household. Even if you are a good 40 pounds heavier than I am. Allow me.
2: Good heavens, Holmes, you've straightened the blasted thing out again. Well, I'll... I'll... Just the same. Look out for me. Both of you.
3: Charming fellow. Quite. And now, Watson, Breakfast. Then I have one or two errands to do. After that, suppose you meet me at Waterloo Station at about, um, half past eleven. Right,
2: your homes, I'll be there on the dot.
3: And, uh, you might slip your service revolver into your pocket. It's an excellent argument with a gentleman who can twist pokers into knots. <laughs>
1: Just a moment, we'll see what awaits Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson on their visit to Dr. Roylott's home, Stoke Moran. Are you one of the many men who find it difficult to keep your hair neatly groomed in summer? Does the burning sun bake and scorch your hair, making it look messy and not the least attractive? Then try Cremel Hair Tonic. Just notice the amazing change in the appearance of your hair. You see, Cremel does lots more than just keep your hair looking handsome. This highly specialized hair tonic gives you your money's worth. It contains a unique combination of hair grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair tonic. Kremel is simply great to lubricate a dry scalp. And if the sun dries your hair so that it breaks off and falls, Cremel helps condition the hair in that it leaves it feeling so much softer and more pliable when you comb it. At the same time, Cremel removes itchy, loose dandruff and leaves the scalp feeling so cool, refreshed and alive. So be smart, men. Buy a bottle of Kreml at any drug counter. Ask for an application at your barber shop. Use Kreml daily for better groomed hair, a more hygienic scalp. K-R-E-M-L, Kreml hair tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, you were to meet Sherlock Holmes at Waterloo
2: Station. Is that right? Quite right, Mr. Bell. And an hour or so afterwards, found us walking in a country lane. Got a match, Holmes? What a perfect day for a walk in the country. I'm glad you enjoy it. Isn't that a house poking its head above those trees over there?
3: Yes, that must be Stoke Moran, the home of our genial friend, Dr. Roylott. I fancy we'll find it shorter to go across the field. And uh, safer in case the good doctor has returned home.
2: Yes, There's a stile over there where the, where the
3: lady is walking. And the lady I fancy is Miss Stoner. Oh, no, my dear Watson, don't try to walk the fence. Remember, huh? you're getting a bit plump. Oh, rubbish. Better climb the stile sedately as I'm doing.
2: That's it. Good afternoon, Miss Stoner. You see, we've been as good as our word.
5: I've been waiting
4: so eagerly for you. Everything has turned out splendidly. Dr. Roller has gone to town, and I don't expect him back before evening.
3: We had the uh, pleasure of making the good doctor's acquaintance.
4: Good
2: heavens, he followed me. What will he say when he returns?
3: You must lock yourself in your room tonight. If he is violent, we shall take you to your aunt's at Harrow.
2: Uh, Don't you think we'd better be getting on with our business before that appalling fellow comes crashing home? Quite. Hmm. Handsome
3: old house. I uh, see you're doing some repairs.
4: Yes. This is the wall of my own room that they're working on.
3: Quite. By the way, this wall seems to be in pretty good condition. Hmm. And this, um, the center room was your sister's, I take it? Yes.
4: I'm sleeping there for the present. We can enter it by way of the uh, French window.
3: Uh, first of all, if you'll be good enough to go inside and lower the iron shutter. I'd like to see just how impregnable it is.
4: Oh, certainly, Mr. Just a moment. Hmm,
3: yes. It seems to be quite impossible. You may raise it again. May we come in?
4: Please do. This is the room, just as she used to have it.
3: Mm. Chest of drawers, bed, dressing table, two wicker chairs. Nothing very extraordinary, huh? Wait a
4: minute.
3: I say the bed's nailed to the floor. It's immovable.
4: I never noticed that.
3: The long cord. It's a bell pull, isn't it? Yes. What does it communicate with?
4: The housekeeper's room. But I don't think my sister ever used it.
3: It seems newer than the other things.
4: Yes, it was put up about two years ago.
3: Do you mind if I give it a pull?
4: Certainly
2: not.
3: Uh-huh. As I thought. It's a dummy.
4: Dummy?
2: You mean that it won't ring?
3: No, Watson. It definitely won't ring. It's not even attached to a wire. Hmm. Very interesting. It seems to be securely fastened just above the opening of that little ventilator.
4: Oh, that ventilator was built several years ago, too. It goes in the father's room.
3: I see. Uh, suppose we take a peek at the doctor's room.
2: Certainly. Come this way. I wish you'd hurry, Holmes. I'm getting a bit jumpy. What if the doctor should decide to come home?
4: This is my father's room.
2: Mm.
3: Nothing very exciting in here. Just the usual man's bedroom. Except for the safe. You don't by any chance know what he keeps in there, do you, Miss Stoner?
4: Oh, business papers, I think. I've only seen the inside of it once, and that was some years ago.
3: Uh, There isn't a cat in it by any chance.
4: No. What a strange idea.
3: Well, look at the source of milk.
4: No, we don't keep a cat, but of course there's a cheetah and a baboon. Mr. Holmes,
2: look here
3: at this vicious-looking little whip. Yes, I noticed that. The interesting point is that it is curled upon itself and tied, so as to make a small noose of whipcord.
2: Hello, what's that? I thought I heard a carriage. Yes, by oh. Jove, must be the doctor
3: coming home.
4: Oh, go, please, quickly, before he finds you here. First
3: of all, promise to do as I tell you. Your life may depend on it.
4: I'll do whatever you say.
3: Doctor Watson and I must spend the night in your room. Mr. Holmes, let me explain. We will hide at the lower end of the meadow. We can see your window from there. You must lock yourself in on pretense of a headache. When you hear your father retire to his room for the night, open the shutters of a window. Put your lamp there as a signal to us, and then withdraw into the room you used to occupy. (laughs) The rest you must leave in
5: our hands.
4: Yes, yes, I will. Only please go now. No, 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 not that way. Here, through the window. (laughs)
2: Have to wait in this blasted meadow all night. and chill to the bone in this wind. Why can't we go down to the inn? I'm sure we can see the windows of Stoke Moran just as well from there.
3: Impossible, Watson. When the time comes, we must go and go quickly. A human life may depend on the speed with which we can reach the house. I
2: say you give me the creeps.
3: What's that? Look, do you see it there in the bushes?
2: A ghastly misshapen figure.
5: Hmm.
3: Must have been a baboon. Look, Watson. The middle window light over to our signal. The lamp. Come along.
2: Hurry. And walk quietly. It's so dark I, I can hardly see it. I think there'll be a storm coming. Yes. Just listen to that wind. Here we are. Step inside
3: through the window. No noise. I shall sit on the bed. You sit in a chair. Ready? I'm going to turn off the lamp. Holmes. Shh. The least sound would be fatal to our plans. Have you your revolver handy? Yes. Good. Whatever you do, don't go to sleep. Your life may depend on it. Eleven o'clock. Yes. We're in for a long and dreadful vigil.
2: My foot's beginning to go to sleep. Whatever you do,
3: don't move. That wicker chair makes an infernal racket.
2: Holmes! Do you hear that? There it is again. You you don't suppose this place is haunted, do you? That I fancy is the cheetah. Look, Watson. Ventilator.
3: A gleam of light. Now it's gone again. beginning to move. Quiet now.
5: What, what's that?
3: Quick, strike a match. Strike a match, Watson. There it is, the filthy thing. There. Take that and that. Hold that. It. What is it from the love of heaven? Why are you slashing that bell pull with your whip? You saw it, Watson? You saw it? Aha, uh-huh, my friend. Too late. Too late. Ah, How ghastly. How perfectly filed. No! No! Oh!
5: god! <laughs>
3: Holmes, what does that mean? It means that it's all over, and I think for the best. Come, we shall enter Dr. Roylott's room. Keep your pistol handy. Come quickly. Holmes, the door's locked. Break it in. Wait, I'll help
2: you. Now then, one, two, three. Holmes, Holmes, look, on the floor, the doctor. He's dead. Good heavens, what a ghastly look on his face.
3: As I expected,
2: you see that? The band round his forehead? That, Watson,
3: is the speckled band. Great thunder, it's moving! It's a snake! Yes, a swamp adder. The deadliest snake in India. The doctor died within ten seconds of being bitten. Here, hand me that dog whip with the noose. Go out, Watson, don't go near. That's better. Hey, uh, what are you going to do? The noose goes over the reptile's head, so. And we lift it into the safe, so, and close the door
2: Ugh. I think I'm going to be sick
3: mm, no wonder the doctors thrust his little playfellow through that ventilator for the last time I fancy it
2: but look here Holmes I, I still don't quite understand it's all quite
3: simple my dear Watson amazingly simple our good doctor made use of the reptile to remove his stepdaughter when she threatened to get married and deprive him of her income that snake has been living in the safe for some time I imagine The saucer of milk was its daily ration. Yes, but how did he succeed? I mean, by by what method? Look at that chair. He must have been standing on that chair. Notice the heel marks, Watson. He thrust the slimy thing through the ventilator into the next room, being careful not to touch it with his hands, but to use the whip, as you saw me do. It was the noose on the lash of the whip that convinced me this afternoon that we were on the right track. I
2: see. That was why the bell pull was attached to the ventilator in the other room so that the snake could crawl down.
3: Exactly. And that was why the bed was nailed within reach of the bellpool.
5: Oh,
3: the filthy beast. The first attempt was not successful in the case of either sister. The doctor, fearing this might happen, had trained the adder to return when he whistled, so that he could try again. And
2: then it must have been his whistle
3: we heard when you began flashing at the bellpool. Quite, my dear Watson. When he heard us, he wanted to recall it. But it was too late. The reptile had already thrust its venomous head through the ventilator when I began to slash at it. The snake turned back so enraged that it attacked the first thing it came in contact with, which, uh, by a mere coincidence, happened to be its master.
2: If to look here, Holmes, doesn't that make you indirectly responsible for the death of Dr. Roylott?
3: Possibly, my dear Watson, possibly. But I cannot say that it is likely to weigh very heavily upon my conscience.
1: Ladies, here's a sensational beauty tip Direct from Hollywood When you want your hair to look its radiant best For an important date Just do this the night before Give your hair a ten-minute glamour bath with cremel shampoo.
4: I certainly agree with that, Mr. Bell. And you know, cremel shampoo is the same shampoo used by those famous beauties, the power's model.
1: Cremel shampoo has been especially developed to glamour bathe each tiny strand of hair so that it fairly radiates natural, dazzling highlights. It leaves the hair simply gleaming with natural, glossy luster. And what's more, your hair stays that way for days.
4: And please bear in mind that Cremel Shampoo is not a soapless shampoo. It is not a cream shampoo. It's not a drying detergent. Not a harsh soap. It's entirely different.
1: Yes, Cremel Shampoo uncovers all the natural highlights that lie concealed in every woman's hair. Yet it never dries the hair. In fact, Cremel Shampoo has a built-in oil base which helps keep the hair from becoming dry or brittle. It removes dandruff flakes the first time you use it.
4: Cremel Shampoo whips up a luxuriant active foam even in the hardest water it rinses out so easily and never leaves any dull soapy film
1: so ladies why not buy a bottle of kremel shampoo at any drug counter and glamor bathe your hair to a vision of tantalizing loveliness k r e m l kremel shampoo now dr watson what about next week
2: well now let me see next week i can got tell you a most bizarre and extraordinary story about a murder that was committed under our very eyes in our own flat. In
1: Baker Street? Good heavens, that certainly was unusual.
2: <laughs> Not only was murder committed, but the murderer was later acquitted in court. If it hadn't been for Holmes' brilliant detective work, I... Oh, well, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll tell you all about that next week. I call it The Adventure of the Innocent Murderers. Oh.
1: Sherlock Holmes adventure was adapted from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Speckled Band. Nigel Bruce appeared by permission of Universal International Pictures. Tom Conway through the courtesy of Eagle Lion Pictures. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight with original music composed and conducted by Alex Steinert. This is Joseph Bell speaking for Cremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo and inviting you to be with us next week at this same time when Dr. Watson will tell us about the adventure of the innocent Full time civilians, part time sailors. That's a thumbnail sketch of the Naval Air Reserve, which this week celebrates its first post war birthday. 30,000-strong Naval Air Reserve stands ready to man the carriers and the planes of the reserve fleet, should any national emergency arise. We doff our hats to the reserves of Naval Aviation, the officers and men of Naval Air Reserve, on this, their first post-war birthday. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.